0: Good day. I'm Morgan Evans, and welcome to Selkirk on Serve, a pickleball podcast presented by Selkirk Sport. With interviews and insights, news and announcements, we're here to take the pulse of pickleball. Welcome back to Selkirk on Serve. We're rejoining Coach Dane Gingrich as we talk about mental performance. Let's jump right on in. Almost every single time, if I have won a tournament. Um, then there's uh, there's a depression that sets in fairly fairly quickly, and it's hard. It's often hard to take. And I'm not much fun to be around if I've just won. Um,
1: and you're being serious. Yeah. You're not, you're yeah. not being jokey, Morgan. No, no.
0: Hey, I, I, you know me. I I do not make jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember I remember uh, the first time it happened. It was 2015 Nationals. It was my first Nationals, I think. And I wasn't signed up for the singles, um, but someone had pulled out and I had been, you know, Marson's hitting partner for a couple of months at least. So I thought I'd just jump in the mix and okay. um, I played a few games. And I think I actually came up against Marson and lost to him in the second or third round so I knew I'd have to go through the back drawer. Um, and then there was a rain delay and we all went to a bar um, and I might have had one or two pints. And I was feeling pretty loose because um, I didn't think my chances of, of really doing anything in the singles were um, were great. Anyway, we got back out there and I had some pop paddle, paddles, long blade thing. It was... It was a weapon for sure, aluminium. Um. <laughs> anyway, I had nothing to lose. Went out swinging, and I won the next like five matches straight, and found myself in the bronze medal match playing Daniel Moore at the time. He was the champ, um, and I'd never played better. Uh, I think I won the first game 11-2, and then we got rained out. Um, and I, the next day, you know, uh, his turns out his uh, his average was a lot better than my average, but my heart was good. <laughs> So I took, anyway, I took bronze for singles. Um, and for me, right. that was, that was you know, it was a, an achievement um, given that I was really just Marston's hitting partner. Um, but it was my first, obviously, Nationals medal. And about a day later, I was genuinely upset and I didn't really know why I was pissed off. Um, and I was you know, gen- grouchy and depressed. And then I remembered a book... Um, uh, written by a guy named Matthew Sood, you might have read it actually, called Bounce. It's a fantastic yeah. book. It's a bit like Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. Gladwell's Outliers. Yeah. Um, and it was all about you know, what, um, how champions are made, not born. Um, and it talked about how Olympic athletes after they've won uh, a gold medal they go through a, a real serious depression for weeks and weeks. Um, and, yeah. it's, and it's kind of the, the body's mechanism, the mind's mechanism um, to get you back on the horse get to get you back out yeah. training because um, if you think about it if you if you succeed in a lifelong goal and I'm not saying I'm not comparing a bronze medal of a pickleball tournament to an Olympic <laughs> yeah. gold medal but it, it's all relative right um, yeah. you know if, if you were to stay on that high then w- what possible reason would you have to actually get back out there and start training again right. you would just you would just live on it and you know, live happily ever after, with a giant grin That's on right. your face. Um, but it was a—it's a curious one for me that I, it's taken a long time to try to curtail that um, depression after I've done well, um, and sadness after I don't do well. Now it's kind of the other way around. It's great.
1: And and I mean, the people that are listening—I don't know if you've ever told that story on the podcast or you know, shared with many people. I mean, that people right now are listening and, and with their jaws like, what? Like, how do you? Power, because everybody believes it's all about the W, right? It's, mm. It can't be about the loss, and and this is this is the decision. Because whether we're talking about Olympic athletes, professional hoopers, pickleball players, like yes, obviously there's some physical stuff going on and some DNA, right? But but the vast majority, it's about the decision you make specifically after the losses, specifically after pain punches you in the face ultimately determines your future, right? Whether you reach the goals that you're after or not. It's not about the Ws. And I think so many people believe that their growth and, quote, success is about how many medals they win versus how, how they answer now what after a loss or after a continue. And it's not just a loss. right? Like, we can handle a loss. But what happens when we have a, a two-month slump, right, when we go two and out or we're or, or one and two, right, been there, done that? I had to play you. Thanks so. a lot. You know, how, how do we respond the next day or the the next week after the L, after the big loss and the big frustration? But I've been training. I've been training for a month and I still went to it out, Right. And, and it's, it, it's the decision we make and how we answer that question that ultimately is going to take us to whatever next level we're after. Yeah. Not the W. Because, like you said, the brain, the brain after the win, just kind of like, because it needs. It needs a what now do I do? Like how do I work even harder? And when we win, everything kinda just shuts down for a sec, right? And and just kinda celebrates for a little bit and, and yeah. where when we lose, if we choose and again like we're li- like a four oh player listening to Morgan talking about being depressed after a win, if we all, regardless of level, get to make that choice after the loss.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And and I think very often, when we win, I think we all kind of feel that way. We all kind of feel that ah, that loss of adrenaline and the endorphins leave us, and we feel that weird depression, sadness thing. But how many players do we not know about because of their just you know their decision after the big letdown, after the big loss? That's that really kind of encompasses what mental dominance is about as well. Like yeah. how, what do you do after those days? Right, like you said, it was, I'd watch what I do. Right, like
0: you came back with that, with that fire. Yeah, it's uh, as they say, the world is full of talented losers that you never hear about. That's right. Um, I had a uh, it, what you're saying reminds me a lot of the the, the climbing analogy. Um, I had a I had a roommate back in Australia. It was the last um, last roommate I had. His name was Chopper. Uh, he didn't really he never really drank, but one night just before I left, um, we shared a bottle of red and I finally got it out of him. I asked him, mate, why do they call you Chopper? And he told me that he had tried to summit Everest uh, six times, I think he said, and he had been airlifted down every time. So they called him Chopper. <laughs> he also said he, had, he, lost wow. one, he lost one friend on every expedi- expedition. Um, really? But they had. They got him down, they airlifted him down every single time. Um, and I need to bring that up because he also told me that yeah, for, his, um, for his money there were always two types of climbers out there there were the guys that just wanted to get to the top of Everest um, and there were the guys that just loved climbing and they just wanted to climb yeah. that's all they loved doing and yeah. you know if you're the guy that likes climbing, if you love the grind uh, but you never win that gold medal or you never get to the top of Everest you still won, arguably you've won, right. you've won more than the guy that finally gets there because when you get there, that's right. i got to tell you, <laughs> you've got to walk down the bloody mountain
1: I mean, doesn't that say, though, it's like, it's this whole microwave thing, right? Like, I always say the microwave is great for popcorn, but it sucks for, like, for high performance, right? Because there's no such thing, right? We're all all shown the top of the mountain stories, right? Turn on YouTube and watch, you know, Instagram, and everybody's celebrating the Ferraris that really aren't theirs, right? Everybody's celebrating the success Mm -hmm. stories, but nobody's really talking about and showing and, and, and really bringing a camera for everybody to see the painful grind before any of that may or may not be met, right? Some some find that success and others others don't. But I think you hit it right on the head. I, it has to be just like the love of the pressure. You have to love the blood and guts of the grind. You have to love – you don't have to go out and – we're talking about pickleball specific. Go out and, and, and drill for three hours, six days a week. There may not be conducive to your – to your schedule, but you got to get out there a little bit, right? If you if you want to get to that medal stand and get to that podium, you got to go put in some kind of sacrifice, right? Otherwise, the person that the person that is is just gonna pass you by. They love the mud and the muck, and they don't. We we like winning more than losing, but I to say we love losing is is, is kind of. <laughs> It, it, it is misdirecting, right? This misdirecting. We it, we don't love the losing, but we love the, the feeling and the hunger that comes after it, yeah. like you described. It, yes, exactly. Right? You know, t- talking about that, right? And I watched Tyson and, uh, and 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 Ben at the legs in the gold, right? I would love, I would love to have had a camera with Tyson from the first two seconds after he lost the finals to Ben for two weeks after. Right, because that would have showed the public why he's number one in the world. Mm. Right, like I would have loved to be able to chronicle and to be able to video his process and go into his mind and read his notes and get into his visuals and have conversation tape between you and him and, and how that went. Because that that is not shown ever. Right, I'm not asking you because yeah. you won't. But if <laughs> if that process was shown more, people would understand. Like he didn't just just fall off on the top and and just land there right he had to go and and really break his inner demons down etc cetera, etc cetera, however but he but if you ask him right he would tell you he would tell everybody ooh, yeah. like i don't love the loss but ooh, i love the feeling the next day in the gym
0: yeah no he's and, and he no, is definitely that guy he he yeah. is a workhorse the repetitions that he wants to have um and i know if he doesn't get him he's a different animal um and yep. that 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 loss in uh, at the lakes, there's no way he would have won U.S. Open without that loss. I think right. he um, Ben beat him quite quite handily at the uh, the Hawaii Open, um, and that that hit him quite hard. He realized that you know if he's not on his game, the level difference can be pretty severe. Um, So you know, I would have loved to have a camera on him, you know, in the two months or so leading up to uh, the lakes. So you know, to do to find out what he did exactly. Um, And obviously, I (laughs) won't share too much, but I know the kind of (laughs) the kind of work he puts in um, in the gym, on the court, and the way he uses anyone and everyone around him in a good way. I mean, when he goes to teach camps and whatnot, um, you know, he is willing and wanting to. To take any any reasonable player and work with them, um, so he's getting his repetitions in, and uh, you know he doesn't wait long to, to take his to take his shirt off, but and then he puts in the hours. He just <laughs> right. puts in the right. hours.
1: And, and and the mindset, right? Like so, we have three O's listening to this conversation. Right? I can't beat Tyson. Don't talk to me about Tyson. Like when people talk about Michael Jordan, don't talk about him. I'm nowhere near him. But, but it's not the physicality, right? It's not. You don't have to. You're a three O. You are you do not have to go do. What Tyson does in the gym, but what you what you can do regardless of level or age or skill is adopt some of the mental skills that he has, right? And the decisions he makes on a daily, you can bring that stuff to your game now, regardless of skill level. And I think that's that's what I love the mental piece. That's why I love it so much. Because physically, like I don't care how much I want to be in the NFL, my little 185 and eighty five pound frame, never going to be in the NFL, right? But <laughs> But mentally, I can make the same choice as LeBron. I I can. I can choose to wake up as early as I want and put in as many hours as I want, as I'm willing to. And I think that's infinitely fascinating for me because anybody can tap into another level regardless of skill set.
0: Well, that reminds me, what was the weather like at 4 a.m. in your part of the world this morning? I've read you're a 4 a.m. kind of guy.
1: You know, it gets light, like, at 10 to 5. Like, 5, the sun is out. It's beautiful. I'm in Southern... You're in SoCal. right? like, I'm in, I'm in Santa Barbara. It's beautiful out early.
0: Lovely. Lovely. Well, hey, <laughs> are some... You sleeping?
1: You're s- not sleeping in 10.30, Morgan.
0: Don't, don't crush my... No, no. No, no I, was at, uh, I was up at... I was up at 5.45 this morning. I was at the DMV. Good times. Good times. Those <laughs> so... Those are all fun times. Now, I, I do want to um, just touch on... Uh, it's a summit you've got coming up right you're um
1: well i had a a a few years back okay so a couple years back i i joined a virtual summit so it was it was all it was done online and 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 it was it was a great experience right i was interviewed and kind of like this and talked about kind of owning your own stuff
0: how to change lives and win more games through your authentic self i love it
1: yeah yeah, that, it it was fun, and I I went through and and kind of told a dark story and a you know dark history of myself, you know about uh, my daughter's so about twelve and a half years ago. I you know hit a really dark path, you know, starting stage of my life, and it was you know no, my wife didn't even know that I was I was going to that level, um, and I fought my way out, and and I kind of shared that story and, and talked about the next level isn't about roses and sunshine, right? Like we all pretend to have. All the successful, you know, cars and lives and money, but but true success is being able to look yourself in the mirror and do you, right, and be unafraid of, be unafraid of being you, right, and so that that virtual summit was all about like, true success isn't about that that fake you know, the fake growth you're having and the pretend success that that, that you're having. It, it's about being honest no matter how dark the situation mm. is, no matter how much you're going through the struggle, owning it, and being able to talk about it and come out of it as long as you're answering now what properly, right? As long as you look in that mirror, okay, like I'm struggling, I'm grinding, whether it's pickleball court, personal life, whatever the thing is, like now what? I got to answer that question. My answer is going to dictate my next move. And, and that was kind of what that virtual... It was a pretty amazing. Speaker it was just super humble to be a part of it. Wow.
0: Have you heard of um, yeah. this thing? It's called uh, behavioral uh, cognitive behavior therapy.
1: I have heard of it. I haven't I haven't gone into it a
0: whole lot. It's quite Have you, um, have you dove
1: into
0: it a little bit? Yeah, I kind of had to. I, I, I found myself in a in a pretty dark spot as well about five years ago. I just moved to um, just moved to America. And I was going through culture shock at the level of which I, right. I, did know what, I didn't know what to do. Um, and it, it stemmed an anxiety disorder that was costing me so much sleep over so many months that I, I, there were times where I literally lost the power to, to speak um, and my, my, my mind, my memory had, was just shot to the pieces. I couldn't get into gates because I couldn't remember the codes. I often forgot to wear pants Um, I could never I could never keep the score I was learning pickleball all the time and I'd already played enough to be able to score but I just couldn't couldn't do it constantly exhausted Um, and it was just the situation I was in was so new to me I I'd spent about 10 years or so um, living fairly fancy free traveling and just teaching tennis in in nice resorts around the world Um, and I found myself uh, feeling pretty much trapped um, with a place where I, I knew I was going to be stuck for at least two years, and I, my 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 mind just wasn't able wasn't equipped to handle it, um, right. and I started you know looking a little bit about you know looking at some of the symptoms and realizing that it was a you know a general anxiety disorder that had gone from bad to worse, um, and something someone mentioned uh, it was just a forum that talked a little bit about this kind of stuff uh, mental health and. Um, it talked about cognitive behavior therapy and what um, what it can do for you and the, the general kind of pretense was it, it wasn't the situation that I was in that was causing me so much harm. It was the way I was looking at it. It was just my perception my, my perception of, of my situation that wasn't that was causing so much um, so much of the issue. So all I really had to do was think about, you know, all right. Let's imagine. You know, I've got a, a group of peers from anywhere and everywhere around the world looking at my my life through a microscope. Um, how bad is it? I mean, honestly, how bad is it? And I came to the conclusion: yeah. Shit, you've got yeah. a pretty good life. It's not bad. I'm teaching tennis <laughs> in Southern California. Um, you know, making decent money, living in a nice place, clean water, shelter. You know, food's pretty good. Um, You know, life wasn't bad at all. It was just the fact that I was coming from a different different environment, a different kind of life at all. And literally, as soon as I had decided that and and thought about it in that way, my problem was done. It was over.
1: Right. You you said the word, right, and it just kind of flew by. You said it because we say the word all the time and it's just a normal word, right? You decided. And I think that's such a powerful, like, we don't even understand the power in, like, Really making intentional decisions based on where it is we want to go right we get up and we work and we hope something good happens right and if it doesn't then you can fall into the trap that you fell into right and, and I think our brain is hardwired right And I've said this a billion times but I, I, I can't say it enough it's hardwired to keep us from the pain which means it's it, it, it hardwired to keep us safe and, and look at, unfortunately, it goes to the negative first, mm. about what we don't have, about what's not good, about what we don't do well, right, and, and that's where it takes us, so if we don't choose another option, we're going to live in that state, in that negative state, about why we can't, and why my dinks suck, and my thirds, I just can't do it under pressure, and I just can't beat Tyson and and Marcin, I just can't, like, if we don't learn to override that with really intentional you know, an intentional story of where we want. And that's all
0: you did, right?
1: Mm. Like you just made a decision to look at it a different way and you, whether you
0: even said it this way or not, you created a different story for yourself, Mm. right?
1: Then when you created that different story, the mind has to then go paint that story. It has to, but you have to sketch it out first. And if you don't do any of the sketching, right? If you don't create these intentional visions, these intentional pictures or habits, the brain will default to the negative, to keep you safe from dying, you know, from getting eaten by saber-toothed tiger baby yeah. back back in caveman days. <laughs> and that that that's just that's just science. That that's fact. But we're not taught that. Yeah. We're taught to focus on what we don't do well. Let's improve our weaknesses. And there's nothing wrong with that in the athletic. But but let's let's talk about and design the story that we want to live through, right? And and it's really hard because we keep getting. Pull back into what you what we don't do well, right? We just got off the phone with the 4-0 pickleball 4-0 woman today, and for the first 15 minutes she kept talking about what she didn't do well and how she needed to fix this and change this, and, and was getting upset that none of the change was happening. Well, be, talking about what you don't do well is never going to improve what you need to do well, right? It, you you must like you made the decision to to view it a different way. It's the same thing with any athletics. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Henry Ford said it best, right? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right.
1: You're right, right? And I know it's cliche and everybody's yeah. heard that before and they go, ha, oh, yeah, that's great. But it's super powerful and, there's, and it's, it's science-backed. This is not some psycho mumbo-jumbo stuff. Like, mm. it's been proven now. Our thoughts literally can change the cells in our body, literally can heal ourselves. It can reshape the cells in our body based on how we think and how we talk to ourselves and that's a fact that's mm. not Dane's no, no. opinion and, and and we just don't we don't use that power enough why because our brain isn't hardwired to talk positively and to think in this really powerful vision it's taught to be quote realistic set realistic goals so we don't fail and we feel pain more <laughs> even if i don't reach it i'm gonna like it just drives <laughs> me crazy i just want to lose my stuff like your adults and coaches and Parents talking about these realistic goals, set realistic expectations. But then when they they turn 35, they wonder why they haven't gone anywhere. Mm. Because you've you failed to really go huge and really take your mind to another level.
0: Yeah, you never risked everything, so you didn't gain. That's right. What you could have. That's right. So that, that That's brings right. that brings me to something I've 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 always been so curious about. I I used to teach a lot of tennis. I haven't done it for a while, but now I'm you know teaching pickleball. But a lot of my tennis coaching was juniors that are you know competing and what I used to find with the vast majority and I'm sure you've seen it and probably see it every day is the kinds of kids that you see when when they start doing match practice uh, or even in tournaments and they're they're deliberately putting in fifty percent because and it seems like in my opinion the the best I can come up with is if they put in fifty percent physically Um, And they lost, and they didn't really lose, because they weren't really trying. So, therefore, their investment, you know, they didn't invest so much for them to be so affected by the defeat that they can't get back out there and do it again. Is that something that can actually, you know, be changed? It's not every kid, and there's always some that just put everything in, and those are the pleasures to work with. But, uh, I mean, I wonder... How, what, what can people do about it? I mean, it's the uh, Nick curios is a great example. He's a big kid yeah. out there that lumbers around, puts in, you know, not much effort um, until he really yeah. thinks he's got a good chance.
1: Yeah, uh, but but maybe you talk about curios and it does come down to these kids too. He, he he's not in love with the game. No. Rather, right? like he's good at it, and that's all he's done. And so, like, you know, I don't know what I would do without it. But he doesn't love the game, right? Th- those kids that put in the fifty. They're truly not in love with the game. Mm. So as far as that, you can't make somebody love it, right? You either love it or you don't love it for your own reasons. But if you do really like it, and it is more of a mental thing, because with Curios, it's just straight up lazy. I'd rather not be here, but I'm making some money, right? I'm getting a lot of attention, even when I do bad things and serve underhand to Nadal, right? <laughs> like I'm getting a bunch of attention, right? On another subject, more tennis pros should be freaking serving underhand like that. Oh, for and
0: sure.
1: Like it just boggles my mind on a separate note. Like why players don't do that? Like you're standing 14 feet behind the baseline, watch this underhand serve. That's an ace. Yeah. You're gonna have to come up. Like stop. Yeah. But 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 he doesn't he doesn't want to be there. Now the kids that want to be there but are afraid to put any effort, right? Like that's a two part maybe even a three part. That's a two part parents. Parents play a big role too, right? There's mm. a tripod. There's the there's the coach, the athlete, and the parent. And the parent, you know, they've been inundated with. Realistic expectations, right? Set your goals to this level that you can reach, right? And the parents and even coaches sometimes take the kids that way, right? So they don't even know what it means to stretch past possible. They, they don't even understand what that means, like to do more than you're physically capable of doing right now. Like create. Then I always say, right? If on a scale of one to ten, if I give you, you know, you know, ten being the best where do you raise your bar to? Most kids, most athletes are gonna say a seven. They might say an eight, maybe, they'll never say a 10, they'll never mean a 10, they might, but, but seven because it's safe, right? But if you set your bar to a seven, and I set my bar to a 15, I never said I had to stay at a 10, I make my own rules, right? Like, <laughs> if I set my bar to a 15 and I miss, I still gotta, I, I still have, I, I, my bar is, my success is so much higher than if you, you set yours low and, and hit. Mm. And I think that's the foundation behind these kids giving 50%. And you're right. If they give 50 and, you know, don't reach it, they really, it's an out for them. Mm. But to answer to, to answer the question, right, like you can absolutely improve that if they truly want to be there. If they don't, there's nothing you can do as a coach or, a, or as a parent. But, it, but just like any kind of training, you help train them to raise their bar to that 15. You help, you help. Teach them skills and visualization skills and journaling skills and just like belief and confidence is a skill. It's not fairy dust or rainbows and and skittles, right? You 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 learn how to believe more. You learn how to be confident, and you learn how to raise your bar past quote what everybody says is possible for you. And they just have to be trained. But the problem is most people don't a don't know how to train it, but b don't even believe you should raise it past past easy and possible, right? Like I, I mean. I mean the Roger Bannister example with uh, with the sub four minute mile, right? Like yeah. science scientists came and said, You physically can't do it. Like you, you just can't. So no one did until Roger said, Well, watch. And it wasn't that he broke the four minute mile, that's not the best part. The best part is the second he did it, he had like seven people do it back to back to back
0: back to back. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because then they
1: looked at it and said, Wow, that's really that's possible? Okay. But I, I don't want to work with those seven, Morgan, I don't care about the seven. I wanna work with that one. Who believes that what everybody says is impossible like that doesn't it doesn't define them like your definition of possible does not dictate who I am like that's the kid I want to work
0: with yeah everything's impossible impossible until it's not and then
1: right and then they <laughs> beg you and then they beg you to teach them how you did it like sorry it's too late dude you lost your chance like <laughs>
0: right do you think you know obviously in today's kind of environment um in a lot of countries, not just America, we, we leave, seem to live in a very much a participation medal kind of world, where kids, um, you know, they're, they're going to be pretty lucky to escape childhood with any kind of equipment to, you know, to be <laughs> mentally tough. What, what are your thoughts on, you know, that subject? I, I think I know where you lie on this one. Um, but <laughs> yeah.
1: so, so here's my suggestion, as you, as you finish your question, here's what my suggestion. You can leave your mic right now. You can go grab a beer. <laughs> you okay. can order Domino's because I'm going to go off. Like, this <laughs> is I, – I really want not go off. Don't leave. But this is such a hot button for me. Like, this is n- – n- <laughs> you have to earn that medal, dude. Like, it's different if you're three or four years old and you're just out there. Like, there's a difference. There, there is a level, right, of athlete where you're not allowed to just be handed a trophy because you signed up. And I think we're doing a huge disservice to our young athletes young people in general right that that grow up believing they're entitled to success because they signed a name on a paper or they showed up like that I, I am so so I couldn't be more against participation trophies you you can't find another human on the planet that is more <laughs> against it than I am simply because I've seen you know I've seen the kid at eight who's entitled and I've then seen him at, at 19 and I've and I've I know him at 19 and 20 and I see how he is at 20 because of his belief system at 8, right? And mm. how he was parented and or coached and the system that he fell into like you you don't you don't get what you want. Like you said like you get what you earn. You get what you sacrifice. You're not given a trophy because you want it. Me, Tyson's not number one in the world because he wrote on a piece of paper he wants to be.
0: Like
1: <laughs> bleeding and sweating and grinding and crying and doubting and fearing and screaming at you because you were a terrible coach in that match. He lost <laughs> him, like all, all the crap. I mean, so yeah. I mean, all right. I could go off on. I could go off for it on hours, but I feel no, like. No
0: uh, I feel like we've got a good handle on your uh, your opinion there. That's. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 I can go over it again if you didn't get it. It's just no, not clear. No. Your, your thoughts and feelings, I think, are echoed by the vast majority of, uh, of people out there, except for the, the most coddling of parents. Um, I've long since thought that the best thing for anyone growing up in the Western world uh, would be once they finish school, they are required to leave the country they are in for at least one year go to a hard to reach place that is even harder to get out of survive for a year and then choose if you want to go home um, yeah. I think Bill Murray <laughs> Bill Murray crashed a wedding I'm, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan he's one of the funniest guys yeah. ever and he he has Never. this thing where he loves uh, he loves crashing weddings and people love him for it and he usually get up there have a few drinks and get up on the microphone and do a toast and that's one thing he tends to say that before you get married you need to you need to go with this person go to a very difficult country to live in survive together for six months and if you can do that then come home because you'll appreciate what you've got um, it's true, right? it's, <laughs> it's true. so true and uh, anything whether it's a sporting endeavor or life in general you know if you aren't forced to work for it you're not going to appreciate it and That's right. i feel like you're the kind of happiness that you can possibly reach um and you know, success, happiness, chicken, egg—you know, round and round it goes. Um, yeah, it's just not going to be there unless your childhood um, and belief system kind of inspires you to want to work, put in the effort, knowing that once you've done that and you succeed, you, oh my God, it's going to feel great.
1: Yeah, and don't don't you agree too, Morgan? Like, say this all: people are so after the W, right? I want to win, I want to win, I want to win, like. The- they, they think that that's why they're training and practicing. That they think that that's why they're entering nationals, U.S. Opens, lakes, TOC, whatever, right? Like, they think, I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. But really, that's, that's really not. Like, they may think that it is, but it's really not. Because anytime time I've asked that, those same players, like, listen, winning is number one. Yes, I want to get on that. I need a goal. That's all I'm training for. Listen, I got a really simple solution, bro. Like, I can hook you up with matches for the next year where I guarantee you would never lose, ever. And all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden, oh, oh, no, 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 that's not really. So it's it's not really about the winning, right? Mm. W- winning is fun, and it's, you know, it's we celebrate, etc. but it, it, it really is about the challenge behind what it takes to get there. And I think if we all can just go all in on, on that, we'll get more Ws as a result of that. When we try so hard, like you, you and Tyson, during Triple Crown, I know you and Tyson are going to try so hard, to beat Jack Monroe and I, I know you're gonna try so hard, and it's gonna be so difficult, Morgan. It's gonna be if difficult. You can just learn to grind, right? And just pick on Jack.
0: You'll have a better chance. <laughs> Look, he's been playing a lot of basketball. I, uh, he's been playing a lot of hoop. I know, that's I know. that's the plan. I don't wanna, I don't wanna to have to, you know, compete with you and that big beautiful brain of yours. Um, <laughs> 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 I think you and Marsan might differ. Right? I
1: remember a, a few games down in the desert a, a few months ago where I don't think that was much of an issue. <laughs> it's funny. Well, it might like it
0: might have been your first game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> might have been my first game. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's funny, mate. I think uh, I think we've covered a lot. I, I mean, I certainly want to want to get you back on the show if you'll uh, if you'll have me.
1: Would love would love to join you. Yeah, I family. mean this this
0: this topic is huge. We could spend the rest of the day. Um, well just on participation medals alone but probably get through some other stuff as well um. <laughs> alright well let's wrap it up anything uh, what's on the horizon for you uh, in the not too distant future anything the listeners would like to know about well, how can people yeah. get in touch with you if, if they'd like to
1: they can They can uh, jump over to my site at coachdane.com D-A-Y-N-E um, and just shoot out say hello I got all my social things I don't man I, I'm super excited and I don't even know how much I can say I, I'm trying to I don't, I, and I'm, maybe I shouldn't even say it, but I, I'm in. I am trying so hard to take this mental thing and connect it to the physical via camps and certain coaches out there. And I, it's going to come together where we connect this thing on an official level, because mm. uh, I think there are a ton of coaches. There's so much amazing brain power behind the strategic and mechanical coaching, and I think there's a perfect storm happening right now to align the mental with the physical and turn it into something big and make it official and i'm 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 kind of under under the weeds kind of trying to work that out
0: Brilliant. So hey. I, I
1: think it's uh i think it's a perfect storm about to happen
0: brother yeah hey count count me in man i think uh awesome. i'd love to get involved in something like that it's um as i said earlier it's the it's the holy grail of performance and yeah, uh sure. if we can uh if we can make it happen together that'd be fantastic
1: Love to. Maybe we talk about it later,
0: huh? Sounds good, bud. Yep. All right, All right. ladies and gentlemen, that is Coach Dane Gingrich with the one percent mindset. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. See you next time on Selkirk on Serve.